0: destination eat drink is up next but first listen to this great other show on the radio misfits podcast network a lot of anchors do that are you ready oh boy okay here we go three two one hi i'm howard sudbury and i'm steve baskerville let's Let's do do it again what that was good okay you ready yeah Hi, I'm Howard Sudbury. And I'm Steve Baskerville. Back to you on the Radio Misfits podcast network. Great talk radio isn't dead. It just moved to a better place. Radiomisfits.com. I need an agent. Opulent coffee houses, schnitzel, and the best thing to eat after a night of late drinking. This week, we're in Vienna, Austria. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences, this is the Destination Eat Drink Podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, host of Destination Eat Drink, the travel podcast for foodies. Each week, we explore a different city find out the best things to eat and drink there and fun stuff to do. And in a moment, we'll take a deep dive into Vienna, Austria, and talk about an under-the-radar spot to get schnitzel and why iced coffee isn't what you'd expect in Vienna, plus the food battles between Vienna and Hungary. But first, let me ask you to subscribe to Destination Eat Drink. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts. It can be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Pandora, wherever hit the subscribe button. Then you'll never miss an episode. And you can also get all our episodes at radiomisfits.com or the newly redesigned and updated destinationeatdrink.com. You know, I love sharing with you the places I've been and the best things I've had to eat and drink there, but I get just as excited talking to people who live and work in places where I've never been I do a little bit of research beforehand and find out something about their city before I talk to them. But mostly I want them to tell me what they love about their home. And, you know, if you just focus on the guidebooks or just watch TV shows about Vienna, you might think it's all about these opulent palaces and classical music. And sure, there's plenty of that. But I was so pleased when I talked to our guest, Melinda Borzak Schram. Melinda runs Vienna Food Tours, and she gets us into the best schnitzel places that make it like grandma, the best street food to have after a night of drinking, and the best spot for people watching. So let's talk with Melinda Borzak-Schram of Vienna Food Tours. Destination. Eat drink. Melinda, if I'm coming to Vienna, what is a dish that I simply must try?
1: So the dish that Vienna is probably most known for is the Viennese schnitzel, which in itself is um, something legendary and that comes with, uh, with many, many opinions and, um, and ideas and traditions. So schnitzel um, basically is a piece of breaded um, meat. It can be pork. It can be veal. It can also be chicken in more recent years, but the most traditional version would definitely be veal. Um the true Vienna Schnitzel, so Viennese Schnitzel that you get. Um and it's crispy, it's juicy, it's you know, it's just a really, really delicious piece of meat. And we like to pair it with um potato salad or a green salad. Um, yeah. The problem about schnitzel is Because obviously, the obvious next question would be, where can you get the best schnitzel in town? Yes. And the funny thing, so if you ask an Austrian, they would uh, always say, well, obviously at my grandma's.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But grandma's not open for business, unfortunately. Exactly,
1: which is a problem because it's really hard to get you a table at our grandma's. So the, the main reason here is there is not one. The main thing is there's not one true place for schnitzel. So, even though there are lots of places that claim they have the most famous schnitzel or they take schnitzel super seriously, basically there are tons of even cafes. A lot of people always think that our beautiful cafes are only for, for sweets and dessert. They actually make great hot dishes as well. So, the, usually the more unassuming it looks, the better it will be. That's what we always like to point out.
0: Kind of like grandma's. So where where would you go? Where would be kind of an under-the-radar place where we would go to get schnitzel?
1: Well, one of our favorite places is, um, easily, funnily enough, it's it's a little bit under-the-radar, but at the same time, it's um, it's smack in the middle of, of downtown Vienna. It's a restaurant called Lugik, which opened um, roughly four years ago, I want to say. Um, and when they opened their um, restaurant, they specifically... Uh, made it for the Viennese in mind, for the locals. So they said, there are enough, you know, touristy places. What we want to do is we want to take the, those traditional dishes, maybe give them a little bit of a modern spin, but make this a modern, you know, kind of like a modern Austrian pub. We call it in, in Austrian-German, we call it Witzhaus. Um, where people can just come and eat great food and um, be in great company.
0: So kind of like the gastropubs that we're seeing in, in the U.S., where instead of getting just cheap bar food, you get actually something delicious and um you know, a little more elevated.
1: Exactly, exactly. That is that is absolutely what they're after. And not only do they have um, a really great uh, wine menu as well, they also serve over, I believe, over 30 different Austrian craft beers, which is something that is very exciting for people to come. I can't really, to this day, I can't really tell you if we're more of a wine or a beer country. So it's important to try all of it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> of course it is. Um, so you mentioned with the schnitzel that you would have potato salad. And we have a view on potato salad in the United States as being prepared. It's very um, dairy rich with mayonnaise and it's heavy. And yes. um, this uh, potato salad in Vienna, I would assume, is quite different because I've had German pota- I've had potato salad in Germany. That's quite different. What's potato yes. salad like in Vienna?
1: So it's thinly sliced um, uh, boiled potatoes, obviously. And um, there's no mayonnaise. There's uh, literally just a little bit of um, acid, so vinegar, a little bit of oil. It might be our very famous pumpkin seed oil. That's something that Austria is famous for. And not necessarily Vienna, but Austria produces and consumes a lot of pumpkin seed oil. And, um, and it'll taste a little sweet even, maybe. So for some, it can be an acquired taste. But the reason why it is more acidy and more vinegary is that you have a really, really fat component with the schnitzel, so you need something to offset that fattiness and it gives it balance. It.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was when I was uh, researching for us talking, I was reading about the hot dogs and the sausages that you can get as street food in Vienna. Yes. What can you tell me about that, Melinda?
1: so uh our most popular and most important um street food is definitely the sausages and the sausage stands um there is it's a it's a it's a big deal uh in in vienna there's every year we'll we'll do a vote, um on the on the best sausage stand <laughs> and it's always um a very very serious thing because people tend to get really really emotional for a lot of people it's um it's even a place to meet up for lunch um These sausage stands, most of them are open from 10 a.m. in the morning to 5 a.m. in the next morning.
0: Whoa.
1: So So you can
0: get it for lunch and you can get it after a night of uh, drinking.
1: Exactly. So, I mean, you get it for breakfast, even, you know, second breakfast (laughs) or for lunch. And then for a lot of people, it's their last stop after a night out on the town. I can tell you it tastes great at 2 a.m. I'll bet. Um, and, um, And it's the same. It's easy. So a lot of people assume that our sausages are similar to the ones that you get in the u.s or even in germany well mostly german sausages they tend to be boiled uh or just simply cooked in water whereas ours are grilled we grill our sausages so they're very charred juice crispy on the outside juicy on the inside um most of them are pork so things like Vegetarian sausage or even turkey or chicken sausage that hasn't really made it to, um, to Austria yet. Okay. <laughs> Definitely a pork loving nation. Um, but we have different kinds. So the most popular one, it's called in, in Austrian German, it's called Käsekreiner. It's filled with cheese and it is very, very, very delicious. Um, but there are other ones, um, that are more smoky because they have been smoked for a longer time or they might add a little bit of paprika to them. So they're a bit more spicy.
0: Oh, that Hungarian influence there with the paprika. Exactly,
1: exactly. And then we paired them with lots of mustard and maybe something sour. Again, something acidy. So that could be um, some cabbage, some um, pickles or pickled onions, things like that.
0: So, these sausage stands, is there a name for them? Do you call them a particular thing, these sausage stands? No,
1: it's literally the translation is Würstelstand, which is sausage Sausage stand.
0: stand. And And they don't
1: really have a name, it's just the address. (laughs) Right. We sometimes have people asking for specific ones, but they don't have a name.
0: (laughs) Now, these are outdoors. How how do these guys operate in the middle of winter? Like, it's really cold right now. What's it like at three o'clock in the morning, you know, grilling? I guess they stay warm by the grill, huh?
1: Yes, I mean, they're in mostly in these little huts. So, um, they're probably most of them, uh, the ones, the people who work the sausage stand they're covered. But you, as someone who frequents the, the sausage scent, yeah, you're not covered. So that's something that you just bundle up. Um, you eat all the sausage. You know, one good thing is, first of all, they all serve drinks, they also have alcohol. Um, and second of all, drinking in public is totally okay and legal in uh, Vienna and all of
0: Austria, <laughs> so that helps. <laughs> I like it even better. So, what what would you get? What would you get with your sausage as far as an alcoholic drink? I mean, in um, the middle of winter, be, a beer wouldn't a beer wouldn't really go. I mean, it would taste good, but you wouldn't want beer in January.
1: No, that's what you do. You just have to be tough. You tough it out, and you have. To- <laughs> You have a beer in general. There's no way around it. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it will warm you up from the inside. <laughs> okay.
0: Melinda, you talked about uh, paprika. And, of course, Hungary has a big influence on the culture right. and the cuisine of Vienna and all of Austria. And because of this, goulash is a yeah. big dish in Austria. But I, I think goulash in Austria and goulash in Hungary are slightly different. What's the differences between the two?
1: So there's big differences in terms of goulash. You know, goulash is one of those, <laughs> again, one of those things that everyone has an opinion on. So the Hungarians claim that they have invented goulash. Then the Austrians claim they invented goulash. Then the Czech like to claim that they invented goulash. <laughs> and they all have their own versions of goulash.
0: I love these battles between cultures as to who was first. This is one of my favorite things.
1: So it's good, you know. Um, basically, what I always say is you go to all the places, eat all the goulash, and then you pick your favorite. (laughs) But even in Austria alone, I believe we have about at least five or seven different types of goulash. So there's potato goulash with sausages. There's pork goulash. There's beef goulash with dumplings. And then the true Hungarian goulash would be uh, beef, beef only beef and onions. Um, And uh, lots of these tiny little noodles similar to the German Spätzle Okay. Whereas in Hungary, they call them knockardly. And we in Austria, we call them knocker. So, you know, obviously, there's just so much um, overlap because we heavily we've been this, the same country at certain time in history. And we've just heavily influenced each other. So we just, you know, we just make it a friendly battle. And just eat all the goulash.
0: (laughs) What would be your favorite kind of goulash, Melinda? And where would you go to get it?
1: Uh, My personal favorite is actually potato goulash, which obviously does not consist only of potatoes. (laughs) We're not a very vegetarian-friendly country, unfortunately. Um, There's lots of cut-up sausages in there. Sausages that are a bit more spicy, so it packs a bit more heat. It's perfect for the colder ones. And it comes in this delicious paprika gravy. So they always serve crusty white bread with it so you can mop up the sauce. And it's just, it's just such, you know, my version of like a comfort meal, uh, on a cold, uh, on a cold night.
0: And where would you go to get this?
1: Um, uh, one of our favorite places where you can get it is called Bastai Weisel. So Weisel is actually, um, a very common, um, name for restaurants for, I want to say for, for not gastropubs, but actual like pubs in Vienna. Is, if I'm not mistaken, it's a Yiddish word and it means room. So if a restaurant is called something, something, something baisel, then you will immediately know that this will be it will look like, you know, your grandma's living room. There'll be lots of wood. There might be dead animals on the walls, <laughs> but they will serve. It will be family owned and they will be serving really, really delicious down to earth. You know, authentic Austrian cuisine.
0: Vienna is famous for its cafes and Tell us about the cafe. I mean, what would I expect when I walked into one of these cafes and what are maybe name a, a famous cafe, but also tell us one that's maybe more under the radar, more hole in the wall place where we could see locals rather than just tourists.
1: I think we're actually uh, certified uh, UNESCO. <laughs> uh, our coffee houses are certified by UNESCO as something to preserve in the world in terms of culture, um, which is interesting. I think um, the coffee house culture, when you read about it, then, um, then people think of beautiful, um, rooms and very ornate decorations and, you know, kind of more of a stuffy atmosphere where back in the day, very, very smart people like Sigmund Freud and, um, you know, politicians came together and yes, discussed yes. daily life. But we, the locals, for us, coffee house culture, that means just sitting at a coffee house um enjoying your time also even being alone getting to read the paper um just having the time to read the paper not being bothered and the great thing about most of our coffee houses is that you go in you order a cup of coffee and they won't uh bug you every 10 minutes if you want something else they'll just let you sit there quietly in peace um either you know nowadays people work on their laptops or they read a book or they read the newspaper
0: so it's okay so, to camp out in, in the cafe. What, yes. What, what are what's a local watching. what's a local spot where we could go and do some of this people watching?
1: So one of our favorites is called Cafe Englander. Englander interestingly enough, means Englishman, <laughs> but <laughs> it's it's the last name of the person who founded it a long time ago, and it's a true locals' place. So when you walk in, it won't look amazingly beautiful it's nothing special but you'll see just at any given time during the day you walk in and this is one of those places that's also open from 8 a.m to like 3 3 a.m and they have hot food all throughout the day so anytime you walk in you'll just see people getting into heated discussions about politics and religion and everyday life or um, reading the news by themselves. You'll have the, you know, sort of the Austrian ladies who lunch, who bring their dogs in their bags. <laughs> <laughs> so it's amazing people watching and it's just a big, like a huge variety of people who go, but everyone, everyone's just happy to be there.
0: If we go to Cafe Engeländer, um, what kind of coffee should we order? What's a traditional Viennese type of coffee?
1: Right. Well, there are over 60, 60, different um, Austrian or Viennese even coffee specials. Oh, man, because I'm gonna be wired after this. Yeah, I obviously know all of them by heart, but I won't <laughs> bore you now. Um, but the most um, the most common one is the Vienna Melange, which is actually something that is. Only really, really well known in Vienna. So if you go to Salzburg, for example, they might not even, you know, know exactly what a Vienna melange is. A melange is, interestingly enough, it's a French word for mix. So it's, um, 50% hot coffee and 50% hot milk. It's a bit stronger than a cappuccino and less foamy. That would be the most typical order. But, um, an Americano is also something that is very, very common here. We call it falengata which means extended because you use more water for the same amount of coffee.
0: Yeah, watered down.
1: And, and the su- Exactly. And in the summer, there's something that's called Vienna Ice coffee. so the Viennese iced coffee, which is always hilarious because um, a lot of people order it in the summer thinking it'll be, you know, like a Starbucks iced latte. <laughs> right. But, but in Vienna, this is a full dessert. So, (laughs) Vina Ice Coffee is um is coffee with ice cream in it, vanilla ice cream, and then whipped cream on top, and then a cherry on top, and then chocolate sauce, and then they'll just. A lot of people order basically a dessert for their dessert.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Sounds decadent. What about this thing called the Einspannern?
1: Yes, Uh, Einspanner. You know, we also have uh, lots of things. First of all, we love cream. Um, so there's a lot of cream in, uh, in, 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 many of our coffee specialties. And, um, that's actually, that's just an espresso with lots of cream on top and, and a little bit of adjusting of sugar as well.
0: Sounds like my type of coffee.
1: Exactly. Exactly. As I said, it's called Einspender because, um, back in the day, um, we even have them now, but we, back in the day, we used to have a lot more horse drawn carriages, And Einschweinung means that the the person who's on the carriage, he can hold the reins in one hand and with the other hand, he can drink the coffee. (laughs) (laughs) And because there was the hot um, cream on top, that um, ensured that the coffee would stay hot for a long time.
0: So you mentioned, Melinda, one of these neighborhood places that we could go to. What would be like the most opulent cafe that we could go to? It might be touristy, but a place where we have to go just to see what it looks like in Vienna.
1: Right. If you really want to, you know, surround yourself or dive into like 19th century or turn of the century Vienna, then that would be Café Central um, in the first district as well, which you know, regularly has a line outside even for um, people waiting for a table. So that's one of the reasons why we say if you want to go, you know, go go really early in the morning. Otherwise, it might feel a little bit rushed. But once you go inside, you'll know why. It's just a really, really incredibly beautiful interior. And you'll just get the full uh, Vienna, you know, the classic Vienna experience.
0: You know, when I think of Vienna, the first thing that pops into my mind automatically is cakes and pastry. Right. What What are some of the most famous cakes in Vienna, and where would be some of the places where we would go to get these?
1: Um, basically, you can get the cakes um, at every um, a coffee house, of course. Uh, one that is a super, super um, famous and is basically the place that. Uh, We we like to say like when when we take grandma out to the coffee house, then that's where we go. That's Cafe Demer, that's D E M E L, and um uh it's a it's been around ever since we were monarchy. So it's one of those um it's one of those places that they catered to um the royal family back in the day to the Habsburg family, um and they're still in the same location. They have the most amazing cakes, um, and just a large variety. And what's especially cool is that they now have a show bakery um, in uh, downstairs where you can actually watch them make their amazing, you know, pieces of art virtually. Obviously, one of the most um, famous cakes that we have in Vienna is the Sachertorte, which is a chocolate cake. And there is the Cafe Sacha that um, sort of uh, is credited with coming up with the cake, but in true Viennese fashion, not everyone agrees with that. (laughs) So again, not everyone. I mean, there's so many debates about where to go. That's also the thing that that's not just one place where you should go. That would be the most traditional place, but there's plenty of places where you can order sacha and it'll be just as delicious.
0: What about the, uh, and forgive my pronunciation. I have German in my family. I can't I can't speak it. So the uh Esterhazy tort.
1: Yes. Well, the Esterhazy tort is again one of those things that um, Hungarians would not like it if I tell you that it's uh, that it's Austrian <laughs> it's, it's it's technically definitely Hungarian. It was invented in Budapest and it became very famous in the Austro-Hungarian monarchy. So we basically just, you know kind of picked that up and said, "Oh yes, sure."
0: <laughs> it's ours Let's now. Let's
1: also Yes, let's also use that for Austrian cakes. It's a lot of buttercream um, that is spiced with alcohol, m- usually cognac, and it's, it has a lot of lo- lots of layers. Um, there can be almonds in it. There can be walnuts in it. It's very, very creamy and rich and absolutely delicious.
0: Like in Germany, you can get strudel everywhere in Austria and Vienna. What's your favorite kind of strudel, Melinda, and where's your favorite place to go for a strudel?
1: <laughs> well I'm 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 classic, so I love apple strudel. Um the great thing about apple strudel in Austria, especially if I compare it to, to apple pie in the States, is that we don't do as much sugar. So for us it's important to still um be able to taste the tartness of the apple. Yes. Um, Which is important because then you can eat more of it.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This is very wise of the Austrians.
1: Um, And um, yeah, one of my favorite places to get it, it's the Cafe Museum, um, which is also in the First District. Uh, And it's one of those, it's probably an in-between place. It's quite, it's a beautiful building, but it's mostly frequented by locals, even though it's it's a central location. Um, and they just do a really, really amazing apple strudel.
0: Now, you mentioned the similarity between apple strudel and apple pie. And in the States, we would have, especially in the summer, we'd have our apple pie a la mode with a scoop of ice cream. Would you have yes. an apple strudel with some ice cream?
1: No, we wouldn't. Never. We would have it with just a smidge. And by smidge, I mean, you know, like a little mountain <laughs> of whipped cream. <laughs> okay.
0: That sounds good, too. <laughs> We're talking with Melinda borsak Schramm of Vienna Food Tours on Destination Eat Drink. Melinda, what do you think are some of, you lead tours from people from all over the world when, you, when they come to visit Vienna, but when Americans come to Vienna and you take them out on tours, what do they tell you are some of the most surprising things that they find about Vienna or Austria in general?
1: Particularly in Vienna, uh, a lot of people are incredibly surprised about how clean and And how safe it is. So um, many people, especially from the States, they tend to visit either Prague or Budapest, as well as Vienna on the same trip. And it's very interesting to contrast and compare these um, cities. But uh, unlike those two countries, um, Austria has not been behind the Iron Curtain or uh, under, you know, foreign regime since the 50s. So we've been able to... Um, as a country and also as a city, we've been able to improve and work on our quality of life. We've basically had a head start of roughly, you know, 50 years or so, which I think is important. So it's not like we were just doing it better; we just had more time.
0: Yeah, you weren't um, you weren't brought behind by all that uh, that exactly heavy handed regime.
1: Right. I mean, you look at especially Budapest with all those beautiful buildings and the Russians, they didn't care about them. So obviously they just let them rot. That's not the case. What happened here? So a lot of our tax money goes into the upkeep of our beautiful over 250 churches in all of Vienna but um, and into cleaning. But those are things that we um, we love our buildings and we love that we have a clean city. So we see our money at work and we're OK with it because we get a lot of it in return.
0: Right. Your your tax dollars. You know, we say in America, we say your tax dollars at work. We say it sarcastically because, you know, we yeah, think there's no, a lot we of ways. Yeah, really appreciate it. But in <laughs> Austria, it's, it's the exact opposite. You're being actually very sincere when you say that. You know, Melinda, I see these lists all the time of the top cities for livability. And that doesn't have so much to do with tourism. That's more like for the locals. Where are the best yeah. places to live in the world? And Vienna is inevitably... At near the top or at the top of all these lists right. that I see. What is it about Vienna that makes it so, quote unquote, livable?
1: Yeah. So um, I think it's partly what I just said before. So first of all, it's a very clean, efficient um, city. It's also very safe. So literally our crime rate uh, from 2017 to 18 has declined. <laughs> it went back. Um, it's It's a city of two million people, which means that there's enough going on, but it's not too much so i think that size is also very important one thing that's also uh, very important for a quality of life is our amazing public transport system which i can only encourage everyone who visits to use on on a regular basis because it's again it's clean it's safe it's very affordable Um, for example, my annual ticket that covers everything on this network is 365 euros. So
0: that's one euro per day. One euro a day. And think of if you had a car, how much it would cost you. It would be several times that amount.
1: Exactly. So most people I know, they don't even own a car in Vienna because there's just no use to have one. Um, and then another thing that's super important here is that um, ever since World War II, the city has been quite smart about um, city planning and things like public housing. So roughly a third of our population, 600,000 people live in public housing, uh, which means that it's affordable housing. And they're still adding those buildings today. Um, and that makes for a great mix throughout the city. It doesn't become a ghetto because it's everywhere. You could be in the most amazing central location living in public housing, because that's how the concept works. Um, and yeah, that's just, you know, it's a, it's a natural and really, really um, amazing melting pot of different religions and ethnicities um, and people from various backgrounds.
0: I love it. I'm ready to move. Um, yeah. <laughs> M- Melinda, there's a tradition in Austria called, and again, forgive my pronunciation, the again. Hurigen? again? The Heurigen. Ah, I wasn't even <laughs> close. <laughs> yes,
1: our beautiful wine tavern.
0: Tell us more about that.
1: So funnily enough, when they came up with the uh, city limits of Vienna, they made sure to include um, on the outskirts of town a few uh, wine yards, <laughs> a few vineyards, because they said in wineries, because obviously we need to have that in Vienna as well. Yes. I think we're actually in terms of a capital city, we have the 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 highest amount of wineries that belong to a capital because we just made sure that that's all within strictly within city limits, even though it's on the outskirts of
0: town. So, just to be clear, Melinda, I got one question because um, w- what we're not talking about here is just wine bars. This is an no, actual no, no. winery. Within the city limits of Vienna, which is very unique.
1: Exactly. With their vineyards attached, where they grow their own wine. And at their wineries, they're only by law allowed to sell their own wine. What we like to do in usually in the summer, so these, most of these are family run businesses, really, really small ones. So they're not always open. Um, It's really, really important to check the website beforehand um, because. They'll be open for a few weeks in order to make money to sell their stuff, and then they actually close, have to close down and work because there's a lot of work included in making wine.
0: Of course, yeah.
1: Um, and then they open again, and they close again, and then they open again, and then that's that's basically how it runs all through the year. So they because they're on the outskirts of town, they're usually up on the hill, um, and uh, many of them give you a beautiful view over Vienna. It can also involve, if you like, a little hike to go up and they're incredibly cheap incredibly cheap um uh so we're talking about you know two to three euros for a glass of really 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 great wine wow. um most people actually buy their wine um by the bottle directly at the heurigen because you cut out the middleman as in the supermarket and it's just a lot more cheaper so you can get the most amazing wine for less than 10 euros easily
0: what's your favorite here again to go to
1: uh, so typically a lot of people like to go to the 19th district, which has its great spots, but also a little bit of very touristy spots. So, our two favorites in the 19th district, which are actually also easily accessible via public transport, are, um, Hörigen called Feuerwehr Wagner, which I believe is, you know, easily 300 years old. Um, uh, or, uh, Obermann, which is a certified organic. Uh, so everything that they serve, food or drinks, all of it is organic. Um, and they're very much into natural wines, orange wines, which is something that's quite exciting in Vienna as well.
0: Sounds like my kind of place. You know, Melinda, <laughs> in the U.S., we've got a drink called a Shandy. Um, I yes. think you have something similar in Austria called a Radler. What, what's a Radler?
1: Yeah. So a Radler is a mix of beer and lemonade. And when I say lemonade, I usually mean lemon juice. So it's not super sweet. We love to drink it in the summer because it has um, a little bit less alcohol. It's around 2-2.5% two, two and, a, two and a half percent of alcohol in one can. And um, you can. Um, it has pretty much exploded over the last few years. So while it has traditionally been only lemon juice, now you can have grapefruit radla oh, or every. Wow apricot radler or all sorts, you know. So it's really good.
0: I I like the sound of that. It really sounds refreshing in the summer. but It's very
1: refreshing, yes.
0: But right now, we're in the middle of winter. Uh, What kind of drinks would we be having if we were in Vienna right now?
1: So a classic, a very, um, you know, because I always say that, um, like in Italy, the... Um, the cochina povera and something similar here as well. The poor man's dishes. That's something that are usually most traditional. So something that will be cheap would be a yaga tea, which is just tea with rum.
0: <laughs> Good. Okay.
1: <laughs> just add a little bit to spike it a little. Uh, obviously there's glühwein that will be mulled wine. Yes. Which we make with either red or white wine. And we, um, use different spices, um, uh, like cinnamon or maybe some orange juice to just make it into this delicious drink or of course a hot chocolate with whipped cream on top is never a bad idea
0: could i have my uh hot chocolate with a dash of rum or some whiskey or of something course, in there?
1: of course <laughs> you can have a little bit of extra on that as well <laughs>
0: we were in berlin a couple of years ago right around this time of year as a matter of fact and uh, we had a lot of glue vine one thing i noticed was a lot of shops just had, they had a big device that was filled with Glühwein and you would just yeah. bring your own cup and it would be two euros and you would fill up your own cup with Glühwein. Will you see that if you're walking along the streets of Vienna?
1: Yes, yes. I mean, especially um, in the wintertime, you'll have not only the Christmas market, but even afterwards, you have a lot of these, we call it Punschstandel and Punsch means um, like a fruit punch, but it's with alcohol, of course.
0: Okay, <laughs>
1: <laughs> and that's where you have these large containers, like these heated containers with mulled wine or um or delicious punch, and you can just um you can just go and fill up your cup and pay them and be on your way.
0: You know, I grew up listening to people like Led Zeppelin and Bruce Springsteen and the Beatles, but I've learned to love opera, even if I don't have any idea what the words mean. Vienna is probably the top music city in the world for classical music. What's the best way for us as visitors to experience music in Vienna?
1: It can be really, really tough, because I have to say that at any given day, roughly 60 to 80 different musical performances take place in Vienna. Wow. And you can imagine that 90% of those are really amazing. (laughs) So it's very hard to choose.
0: (laughs) (laughs) so you've got this Um, wealth of choices how do you how do you pare it down
1: we are we are called the city of music for a reason so um if you want to focus on the classics then there are great options at the opera also for people who um just want to see you know one of the most famous buildings opera buildings in the world there are standing tickets like you know the real true like nosebleed seats um where you're You can go in, but they, and it's really, really cheap and they won't mind if you leave halfway through because as we all know, operas tend to go really long. (laughs) (laughs) So that's totally fine and acceptable. And then there's the Musikverein Saal, which is a very, very important, um, and beautiful venue, um, that basically does even I think they even they have up to three performances every day. So you can choose based on would you like to see, you know, a string quartet or would you like to see a full opera, a full concert a orchestra? And then another cool thing, if you're here in, I want to say May, June, um, you know, our famous Vienna Philharmonic Orchestra. Uh, because Vienna and Austria, they believe that music should be for everyone, not just for the elite. It should be someone, uh, something accessible for everyone. Every year in uh, May and June, this world-famous orchestra they do a free um, summer nights concert at uh, Schloss Schönbrunn. Wow which is completely free, always draws, you know, 150, 200,000 people. You literally, what you do, I mean, they'll have seated areas, but that's mostly for VIPs or people who go there really early. For everyone else, they grab a picnic blanket, they grab some snacks, they grab a few beers, and then you just sit down, listen to one of the most amazing orchestras in the world, and you just count yourself really lucky.
0: Sounds like a beautiful evening in Vienna. You know, famous musicians like Mozart and Beethoven and so many more, they... All lived in Vienna. What are some of the places visitors can go to learn more about their favorite composers?
1: There's a really, really great museum that's called House de Musique, so House of Music, which not only offers um, a lot of information about famous composers and who lived here, but also gives you sort of sort of a Um, an entertaining and interactive experience of what music is and why it is so important. It's a little bit of a cliche, but it's true that almost everyone in Austria knows at least how to play one instrument. So for us, it's always very important. Um, Even that um, museum, it's something that's super child-friendly. So we have a -a two-and-a-half-year-old son, and we love to go with him because they actually... You know, they, they made it so accessible for kids that they can try out lots of things. So that's that's one of our favorite places to go.
0: What instrument are you hoping that your uh, little boy or girl is going to learn? <laughs>
1: Um, our son, he's already really good at the at the guitar.
0: At two and a half.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he has his own little beautiful. It's a pink guitar with lots of princesses on it because that's the one he picked and awesome. then he plays the song. <laughs> You're going to have to
0: teach him "Stairway to Heaven" then.
1: Um, yes, exactly.
0: And any of the other any other sites that we should definitely see in Vienna? They don't have to be blockbusters, but places that you think would be very interesting for tourists to go when we come to visit right. Vienna.
1: Well, the one thing that's definitely a must, but I mentioned it earlier, is Schönbrunn Palace. Um, it's our most, uh, it's, a, it's a beautiful, it was a, you know, it was a summer residence for the Habsburg family, which doesn't sound as much, but, um, so Castle Versailles in Paris was modeled after um, Schönbrunn Palace.
0: Oh, that's right. Yes.
1: So we have the original.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it, it, we, that competition we it it once before. again. Exactly. We did it with a bit more taste and, you know, <laughs> not as crazy as Louis XIV, but um, so that's definitely something either you, whether you just walk the park, um, there's also an amazing, we have, I think, actually the oldest uh, zoo in all of um, the world, uh, which is a really, really amazing, beautiful zoo in that park as well. Obviously we have, I mentioned, over 250 churches to choose from. What I find really, really interesting um, just because you don't get the chance to see it as often, so below St. Stephen's Cathedral, which is our most famous cathedral, we have catacombs that you can visit. Oh, cool. Um, which is creepy and it constantly feels like the beginning of a horror movie of some sort, but <laughs> um, but, but um, I think apart from Vienna, there's maybe Paris and Naples where you can actually see catacombs. I mean, there are... Half Habsburg bodies down there, just lots of skulls and bones, and it just tells a very interesting different side of Vienna and what sort of the dark history that we also went
0: through. Oh, interesting. Okay, great. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's fun to go into those catacombs, though, as long as you're not too claustrophobic, I guess.
1: Yes. Yes, yes. And, you know, the smell is just a little weird.
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Of course. Well, Melinda, you speak perfect English. Uh, what can we expect? To, you know, most Americans don't speak a second language, much less probably German. Um, what's the language barrier like in Vienna for Americans who come over?
1: Mostly everyone in uh, in Vienna is fairly fluent in English. So that's not the biggest problem. Um, we are... We have English starting in elementary school, and then it is one of our mandatory um, subjects in order to finish high school. So, and you okay. know, there's the internet and there's Netflix. So there's lots right. of help in order to for us to speak English. So I wouldn't worry about that. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, in terms of customer service, <laughs> we don't really we don't we yeah we rank high in quality of life, but not quality of customer service. Unfortunately, so that's always something I like to preface, especially with um, guests that we have from the U.S. because they're used to a very different level.
0: (laughs) When you say not great customer service, how does that manifest itself, Melinda?
1: So for some reason, uh, Vienna prides itself um, about having grumpy waiters, (laughs) and they think it's they think it's charming. It's 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 maybe a little bit like the French. They also like to somehow have that cliche of they're being arrogant, but that's just the French way of life. For for some reason, um, Vienna tends to play that up as well. Whereas I personally think being grumpy is just you know rude. <laughs> 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 but um, but that's unfortunately how they are. Um, and then the good thing is that you can you're totally okay to reflect that with your tip. That's also something I always like to include. Oh. So typically, we tip 10% in, in, in Austria. There's no need to tip more okay. because people earn a fairly decent wage here.
0: It's just been great talking to you, Melinda. And I think everyone should get in touch with you to book a tour with Vienna Food Tours. How can we do that if we want to get a tour with you?
1: Yeah, we'd love that. So our website is um, Tours. Um, you'll see our regular schedule there. You can get in touch with us for anything specific that you have in mind. In the past, apart from our regular food tours or our winery tours, we've done lots of fun things for um anniversaries and family get togethers and literally everything so it's you know there's so many options in Vienna and we just love to help
0: well I'm looking forward to making a trip to Vienna Melinda and we look forward to seeing you at Vienna food tours thank you so much for being on the show and we look forward to a trip to uh, Vienna Austria
1: wonderful thank you so much for having me and see you very soon hopefully
0: see I told you Melinda is so nice and makes Vienna so accessible. You can see a classical music concert one evening and still find time to chill with the locals at a coffee house. And Melinda, during the podcast, she mentioned Budapest. So let's take a trip to Budapest, Hungary next week. You know, goulash, thermal spas, the whole Budapest experience next week on the show. Well, that's going to do it for this week, but while you're waiting for the Budapest show next week, go to DestinationEatDrink.com. I've redesigned the site and added a bunch of new content. There's a brand new Foodie City Guide to Charleston, South Carolina and a foodie city guide to the criminally underrated town of Turin, Italy. Destination Eat Drink is distributed by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm Brent Peterson, and I will see you down the road. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.